Dunhuang. Situated along the ancient Silk Road, where fine arts and divine beliefs merged with the natural world. It's where the East and West interacted and where the world's largest Buddhist art gallery still fascinates and amazes people today. A place where stories of life and death, love and hatred, passion and desire, faith and sacrifice have been generated and told for 2,000 years. Buckle up for our podcast, Why We Love Dunhuang, the one and only podcast that can take you to the fantasy world of Dunhuang and beyond through our audio tour. Listen and subscribe for free on major podcast platforms. Why we love Dunhuang? You will have your answers. Discussion keeps the world turning. This is Roundtable. You're listening to Roundtable with myself, He Yang. I'm joined by Ding Heng and Xing Yu in the studio. Coming up, night markets in China have long been a haven for all-you-can-eat street food. Now, in summer 2023, they're back all over the country, injecting vitality to the night economy. What does the night market mean to the locals and tourists alike? And where do you stand on the debate of photobomb? Are you a photobomber yourself? Our podcast listeners can find us at Roundtable China on Apple Podcast. When you're there and you're so inclined, please give us a five-star review. It will help other folks find the show. And there's got to be questions you want to raise and hear us discuss. So share it with us, would ya? There's a place to do it. EZFM Roundtable at Foxmail.com. Emails are fine, but voice memos are always better because this is a radio show after all, and your voice could be featured in our heart-to-heart segment. Now on Roundtable, as we continue today's discussion. Since the beginning of this year, night markets have sprung up like mushrooms after the rain in cities all across China to much fanfare. These night markets aren't the ones of yesteryears. They're a fusion of tradition and modernity, and young shoppers are opening up their wallets for them. So guys, what night markets have caught your attention this time? Well, in my memory, I think when I was a child, my parents used to take me to the nearby night market to just take a stroll around after dinner. And I grew up in the city of Shenyang in Liaoning province, also northeastern China. And the night market is where you can basically find everything from different snacks to clothes and accessories and handicrafts. And it's always bustling with customers. But it's the memory of the the past. I think now new uh, night markets are gaining traction among young Chinese. In Beijing, for instance, the 798 Art Zone in Beijing's Chaoyang District recently opened a night market. And the domestic news platform, The Paper, reported that on a weekday evening at 7 p.m., there were already long lines of people and customers at the market. And the place is really swarmed with young customers. And the 789 Art Zone is not the only place where you can find such markets. Um, also, a number of night markets have opened near the shopping malls and scenic spots, and they sell different 
snacks, creative, innovative snacks, I guess, and a lot of um, DIY handicrafts and so on. So it's really buying the hearts of the young customers. Yeah. So to me, there is really no fundamental differences between this kind of、um, old style. Like really, <laughs>、uh, it's all about consumption. It's all about relaxation after dinner, after a day of tiresome work. It's、um, but you know, but because of the development of the Chinese economy, this so-called you know upgrade in terms of people's daily consumption. So now we have better choices. Way more varieties in terms of how we can buy, where we can consume. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. I wonder what's new here. Might be just the new style of products that are being、yeah. put on display. Because in, in the olden days, I remember it was mostly, you know, pretty.、Mm. It would be. Sometimes food of not great hygiene, but they did come from somebody's <laughs> home kitchen, I think, and,、yeah. and you know, like they're supposed to be very authentic to the locality. But that's not a guarantee either. I've been to many night markets across the country when, let's say, you're on a business trip or something, and sometimes the、uh, food that's being offered. Can seem a little bit、um, unclean. That's one thing, and also it just kind of bugs me a little bit when visiting a night market in Beijing, as、uh, opposed to let's say visiting a night market in Chongqing, but you're having the same food. If you see what I mean, because、yeah. sometimes I just it's just outsiders finding a business opportunity here or there, and the authenticity isn't. Always so salient, and that—that's、mm. maybe just me not going to the right places. But you know, these、yeah. days I just feel like in different cities in China, sometimes you you get a homogeneity of similar stuff, and that's in a way a pity because you know you want to experience what's so special、mm. that this local place has to offer, and it's not always so easy to find. But maybe. Maybe I'm not looking at it straight.、Mm. What do you, what do you, you guys think? I think that could be one of the problems of today's、um, newly emerged night markets. Many of the menu they they sound fancier, but it's just some of the popular menus on social media or short video <laughs>、yeah. platforms.、Mm. Um, I've looked up several dishes like the chimney cake. The Lao iced coffee, bamboo milk tea—they really sound yummy, but and it's also social media friendly. You can easily take some nice pictures and then show it on your social media. But then it's also、uh, doesn't have the authenticity of that represent your the city. Mm. Mm, that's mm. a pity.、Somewhere. Yeah, I agree. I very much agree with this、um, observation. Like, I guess in almost every night market across this country, you can find this particular. Category of drink called 暴打柠檬茶 <laughs> uh, uh, smashed lemon tea, tea、mm. I guess. Yeah, basically you smash a lemon and <laughs> uh, and the yeah, juice, the、uh, juice, make, turn it to the tea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Dilution the the juice into the tea, right?、Yeah. So indeed, I mean, yeah. I I guess this is a problem in the era of globalization, like、um, globalization, and of course in the context of China. Globalization is probably not the right vocabulary. Maybe nationalization, or 
Yeah, homogeneous. That's indeed a actually a huge problem. And also, as you mentioned, Bao Da Ning Meng Cha, it's not cheap. It's quite expensive、mm. for a cup of. I think it's like thirty yuan or something. And the night market, in my memory, it's everything there is quite affordable,、mm. at least cheap, and you can also bargain with the vendors for a lower price. But in nowadays, the night market, the prices are fixed, so there's no limit to, yeah, there's no space to for bargains. Right.、Mm. Actually, I don't mind skipping the bargain, <laughs> the, the bargaining process. Because、uh, I'm my mom. <laughs> yeah, I know. Some people find great joy in the、yeah. process of haggling, but but not for me. I just sort of want just pay. Yeah. yeah.、Uh, if it's a simple, straightforward, the faster the process, the better. But.、Um, But yeah, that's also in a way maybe reflecting price levels, and also if nowadays we're used to paying a certain amount, let's say going to visit a coffee shop, then I suppose the vendors feel that okay, now your expectation of a cup of tea or coffee is supposed to be that level, and they feel that they have enough room to. To set the price at that level, mm. but mm. but also you know when you go to a night market, you're not sitting down. So in theory, the cost endured by the、um, the vendor isn't all that high. So yeah, it sounds like there's a higher profit margin for that cup of、uh, coffee、mm. or tea that that you guys、yeah. are mentioning. And、yeah. another interesting observation is that the vendors. They are quite young compared to、um, the vendors that I used to see when I was young, because in the night markets back then, I think the vendors were middle-aged people. In the majority of them are, were middle-aged people, and now I think、uh, many of the young people they are selling、uh, stuffs in the night markets, and a number of them are actually doing part-time jobs.、Mm. Um, Yeah, in this, I think we have actually seen cases where, for example,、yeah. a a particular hamburger vendor at a particular market. Actually, this guy, yes, during the daytime is actually an internet company's、uh, CEO. Wow. And, <laughs> and yeah, we have also seen cases where, for example, the owner of a pet stall at a market in Chongqing. Uh, runs her brick and mortar pop shop during the day, and I guess the purpose of she running a stall at a a night market is because she wants to attract more traffic into her brick and mortar store.、Yeah. So it's a good business、yeah. strategy, and for some people, it's a channel of socialize with people, keep old friends, make new friends,、mm, yeah. etc. And potentially. Redirecting these friends to your store. Yeah. yeah, that's quite clever. Yes, it is. And with social media, we tend to think that its reach is broad. But also, given that we're all trapped in our own echo chamber in some shape or form, so even with the internet, it's not reaching everybody. So if you can sort of find out this other. Avenue of attracting a different group of people who might be interested in your products and business, as such, then the night market is a good place to be, I suppose. And there's another thing that I find to be kind of new or of more or less of a change here. That is in these night markets, the new night markets that we're talking about here.、Um, it's increasingly common to see. 
individuals selling their own handmade oh, hand crafts. Yeah, handicrafts. Mm-hmm. And in the past, I don't remember people willing to pay often quite a bit of money to buy something of a, let's say, an aroma candle mm. or handmade soap. Apparently, these are pretty standard and popular items being sold these days. Mm. And and for the younger customer of Gen Z or millennials these days, apparently, they don't mind paying for stuff like this. When they're not cheap, they're far more expensive than what you usually get in, let's say, the supermarket. Because now, apparently, when it's handmade, then it's supposed to cost more. And if it's made in one's home, then it could Mm. also cost more. So it's interesting how people are buying into this concept. Because for my parents, they will never buy those things. (laughs) It's a very different mindset. Yeah, I think this is actually, you know, shedding light on this in one way or another, this kind of return to the old-fashioned way of making things, you know, because before the industrialized age, every item is uh, manufactured or made by hand with a very individualistic manner. But later was this economy of scale and massive production at standardized, you know, factory production lines. Consumers would um, somehow feel, well, something is losing. Now probably we're going back to this kind of um, yeah, yeah, and also yeah for our um previous generations, our moms and dads, they prefer to buy something that has this practical usage. (laughs) And (laughs) when you yeah when you are at the night market and, and you see these handicrafts, these are just ornaments. Although they are DIY, they're handmade. They cost the vendors a lot of time and energy into it. And I think my parents would just think it's not useful, so they won't pay any money on that Mm. but for younger generations i think they have this shift of consumption ideas they want to pay for something that looks good or makes them feel good about yeah yeah Mm. and the thing about soap is if you use it then it disappears right (laughs) (laughs) it doesn't take up room in your apartment Mm. yeah and with the candles the aroma candles that's not something that I feel rather thrift, older folks, whatever, would be interested in. Because back then, you know, candles were for, oh, if there's a blackout, then you you light a candle. (laughs) Now people are like, oh, no, you know, the candle is just for the atmosphere, the mood. (laughs) (laughs) You know, when you want to practice meditation or something, then it's like nice to have a candle next to you. But still, uh, everybody, you know, it's fire safety, fire hazard, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry to bring this up, but I think it is uh, a necessary one. And also another observation of these night markets is apparently the customers or the foot traffic is often younger people who Mm. are there um Mm. yeah do you think that is valid i think these days the night markets are actually targeting these young customers they based on what they sell on the markets i think they strategically try to um, attract the attention of young customers and not the older generation maybe or those parents with kids they Mm. might also like to visit the night markets nowadays 
Yeah, I feel like so. I feel like,、um, yeah, it's almost、um, universally the case that nowadays it is really the younger generation that is flooding to these、um, mm. particular night markets. And I think, in addition to, say, consumption or buying stuff, some, say, Gen Z customers say these night markets are an interesting place for them to experience traditional. Culture in an ancient <laughs> style market. I think in What, some cases the night markets are themed with you know traditional、yeah. the Chinese thing. So so with that in mind, I think it's really a very important thing to do for these、um, for some particular night markets to really restore this kind of essential traditional you know culture or architecture because、um, uh, I have personally checked quite a number of so called. Commercialized ancient town, ancient streets、oh. across China. Yeah. Frankly speaking, there is nothing ancient in them. <laughs> It's all about commercialization and consumerism, under the cover of traditional culture. That's nonsense. So over the long term, it will fail to attract people. See, that's from someone who knows the culture、oh, here、yeah. very well, because.、Mm. You see through the facade, and that's a bit unfortunate. That with some of these ancient towns or these little alleyways or、yeah. districts within a city, which is touted as oh, this represents like the older culture or whatever it is. But sometimes I think we fail to get deep, and then it's more just like okay, you you. Enter this area that looks a little bit ancient, when in fact every brick screams twenty first century, and, <laughs> and that's just a really paradoxical feeling, and it it doesn't leave a good taste in your mouth if you're someone who can see through that, or if you're、mm. really very much into traditional culture and want to see more of a meaningful representation of it in today's in today's life, so to speak,、mm. yeah. You know, when I first heard you guys say that, oh, it's young people being attracted to these night markets. I thought, oh, it might be just that. You know, for us older folks, it's past our bedtime. <laughs> but <laughs> it's not exactly like that. And there are some like pretty energetic older folks、um, who who just want to go for a night stroll or whatever it is. And、uh, night markets sometimes open quite early, but still after dusk, obviously. And it goes on for a bit. And why do you? Think that local economies sort of rely so much on we should all have a night market, so to speak.、Um, I think the most obvious benefit of a night market is boosting the economy.、Um, night markets they can create economic opportunities for local vendors, artisans, and small businesses, and this can contribute a lot to the local economy and employment. And also,、um, they contribute to the nighttime economy by extending business hours, like you said, beyond traditional daytime activities. And also, another thing is that it can promote the community gatherings.、Um, night markets serve as a、uh, gathering place for communities.、Uh, they offer a space for people to come together and socialize and interact. And I read a comment of. From the newspaper, the paper, it says the night market is also a part of urban landscape that has emotional functions.、Um, I think with the rapid development of internet and modernization, we have gradually 
lost the chances to have face-to-face communications with neighbors, people surrounding us, or strangers. And there's no need to ask passersby for directions because you can just easily check your direction on your mobile mm. app, and you can just pick uh, restaurants uh, based on the rating app apps online. And human interactions are getting rare, and so that's why a night market is important in some way because it can gather people nearby and bring them together, and you are exposed to. Chances to chat with the local people, to the vendors, and even say hello to the neighbors that pass by. And being together in the scene, they form a certain social bond, I guess. Yeah, I guess.、Um, and in the meantime, I think one of the、um, less well-known or less talked about benefits of、uh, holding or organizing night markets is they might, you know, end up. Um, strengthening the public safety as well, because、uh, <laughs> we have seen in the case of the U.S. city of、uh, San Francisco, basically local city leaders are hoping to activate this kind of night market in the city in the evenings, in the hope of enhancing public safety. And they actually got their inspiration from one of local politicians' recent trip. To Asia, so maybe I think night market is a sort of an Asian culture, but now it is、uh, spreading to other a- areas. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, also on the ground in China, we've seen in the past years、um, night markets going through its heyday and sometimes not as popular. And part of it is due to hygiene issues and also law enforcement getting involved. So. As long as nowadays, what we see is that every vendor needs to apply for a license. Well, usually that's how it works, and、mm. um, so there's more of regulation and also requirement of hygiene, safety, and all these factors, which are all quite important in ensuring the experience for the customer. So. Maybe we're looking at Night Market 2.0, and it's a.、Uh, <laughs> Hopefully, it's like delicious, safe, and it's a lot of fun that you want to check out. You're listening to Roundtable. Coming up next, photo bombs. Whether you love them or hate them, they prove that timing is everything. Stay tuned. Looking for passion? How about fiery debate? Want to hear about current events in China from different perspectives? Then tune in to Roundtable. Where East meets West, and understanding is the goal. It's the hour of roundtable with myself, He Yang. I'm joined by Ding Hong and Xing Yu in the studio. Have you ever come across when strangers unexpectedly appear in your selfie? If your answer is yes, then congratulations—you have been photobombed. People are divided in opinion on this one. Some say it's a delightful happenstance. Who doesn't like a good photobomb? While others consider it downright rude. <laughs> have you been photobombed? And、uh, you know they happen. Intentionally and unintentionally. So, Xingyu.、Mm. Well, I think I've never heard of the term photobomb before, and I checked、uh, its definition on dictionary, and it refers to the behavior of appearing behind or in front of someone when their photograph is being taken, and it's typically as a joke or a prank.
And there are generally two different kinds of photo bombs we're talking about today. So the first one is typically done by someone who wants to be in the photo and who wants to make the photo looks hilarious and funny. And the second kind is just an accident. Someone gets in front of the camera and they didn't even know about it. Yeah. Yeah, so have you experienced a photobomb or have you photobombed other people? I really uh, can't tell, Ding Hong. No, no, <laughs> I am by no means an intruding person, you know. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I and I think I have never been photobombed or at least deliberately photobombed by other intruders. But mm. I think those who, you know, accept or enjoy this kind of behavior would argue that being photobombed is a delightful part of their journey. Mm. Some would find it magical even, saying <laughs> it's as a fate that brought them together. You know? I think that's because they didn't know someone was there also in the picture. And after the picture is taken and they found, wow, there's another person doing maybe doing the same pose as you. So... Or, It or can act, be magical. <laughs> yeah, or acting completely inappropriately. <laughs> sometimes you plan it, sometimes you don't. But uh, yeah, there are a lot of uh, photobomb photos that are circulating online. And sometimes you just can't help but laugh that, you know, maybe it's meant to be at that moment in time. Yeah. That person just had to... I think the, the funniest are the ones when the... Mm -hmm. Protagonist or the main person is is taking a serious photo, but yeah. then you got no idea what's going on in the background, and sometimes it's just uh. downright hilarious. But um, apparently nowadays people are saying that, hey, where is your sense of boundaries? <laughs> a lot of people don't find it funny, and um, but also in a way, I find it a little bit tyrannical from people saying, hey, how come you don't have a sense of humor? Then well, I don't have a sense of humor. Then so, <laughs> what do you think of you know these both sides of the argument? Yeah, I feel like it really comes down what kind of uh, specific occasions that you are taking pictures, right? You or you are having your pictures taken. I guess um, because uh, realistically, there are really indeed many occasions that have been ruined forever, once and for all, for by an either intentional or accidental photo bomber. And unfortunately, can you give us an example? In like that uh, sense? if you are trying to make a proposal, um, oh. or family reunion, or or poses in a very famous landmark architecture in a foreign land, mm. in a faraway foreign land, not a major country. And this country <laughs> probably you will never have the chance to visit a, a second time. Yeah. Yeah. This kind of occasions. Then you'll forever have that, you know, nuisance in the background. <laughs> you don't like that. Yeah. What And, about you, Xingyu? Um, I think especially in busy tourist sites, it's kind of inevitable to have people walking or pass by behind you while you are having your photos taken. And sometimes when I noticed I was blocking someone else's, um, this whole process of taking pictures, <laughs> I would just jump away. <laughs> Or sometimes I would wait there until they finished their photos and then just pass by. Or sometimes yeah. they, uh, the people who are taking photos, they notice someone, they're blocking the ways of people passing by. So mm -hmm. they'll just gesture you to go first and then they'll take their pictures. Yeah. So I think in busy outdoor sites, it's kind of inevitable. And for me, I've never photobombed other 
people and also I think I haven't got photobombed so I think it's not a quite common mm. in China probably and, and you don't know maybe you've photobombed other people <laughs> um, unintentionally that's the thing <laughs> and, and you wouldn't know right yeah and people have been bringing this up on social media partially because after the pandemic when more people are participating in international travel and then sometimes when you come home and you check your photos, you see that unexpected stranger smiling in the background. I just made it sound really creepy. <laughs> Sorry about that. And that brings us to the end of today's roundtable. Thank you so much, Xing Yu and Ding Hung, for joining the discussion. I'm He Young. We'll see you next time. <laughs>